will be your tootsie whoopsie if you will meet me in St. Louis, Louis, meet me at the fair. Hello and welcome. <laughs> Welcome to Sister Act. This is a podcast where two sisters listen to and rather watch musicals, movie musicals, and then discuss them uh, or recap them, summarize them. That's This is our first episode. We're still sort of figuring out our premise, but the, our best guess as to what this podcast is is that it's a podcast where two sisters watch movie musicals and then recap them to each other and an, a non-existent audience or an anonymous audience, perhaps less anonymous eventually. Yeah, maybe we'll end up with a Patreon. <laughs> yeah, or, you know, just add revenue from Anchor, which will split 60-40? Do you want more than that? 70-30? <laughs> anyway, um, that's our names are... <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> that's a good piece of information also. I'm Jackie. I'll be getting 35% of all revenue from this podcast. And my sister... I'm Nicola, and I guess I'll be getting 65%, which Jackie just negotiated for me. <laughs> well, Nicola is, the, is editing this podcast. We've just, I mean, perhaps if we have a Patreon, I would take on some of the post-labor, but we're not there yet. <laughs> anyway, we're kicking this off. This concept... I was inspired. I was like, oh, we should do... Well, I, I, I said, I guess when we were brainstorming podcast ideas that I had never seen Meet Me in St. Louis. And Nicola said, pretty sure it's Meet Me in St. Louis because that rhymes. Um, and I was like, well, now we got to watch it and find out. Uh, so we did. And it is Louis. I was incorrect. And I'll own that. So I guess we'll just get started. Um with recapping what happens in Meet Me in St. Louis. Yes. So we start, I'll, I remember how we start with the maid and the mother, who it took me a long time to figure out the relationships. Oh, interesting. They were pretty obvious to me pretty quickly, but yeah. I thought maybe they were both... Like, I couldn't tell how rich the family was. You thought maybe it was like a, a when there's the two maids and Mary Poppins kind of situation? Exactly. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. But anyway, they're making some weird thing. And everyone has different opinions they on describe if it's it as too they sour or sweet <laughs> or thick. I think, okay, I thought that they were making ketchup because that's what I thought they said. Like, the ketchup's too sour. But then they serve it as a soup. And so... Either ketchup used to be consumed in a very weird way, or I misheard what they said, and there's some soup that's named sounds like catsup. But yes, they are making some sort of red, viscous, liquid meal that they enjoy very quickly later on. Yes. So that happens. One of the children, whose name is... Agnes. Agnes. Start singing Meet Me in St. Louis. So right off for the some bat. reason in her under. She was like muddy or something, right? And then she takes off her dress when she comes inside. She's walking to the take a, a bath or something in her undergarments singing Meet Me in St. Louis. That's the first musical number. The, then the grandpa the grandpa's in, his, in, the in his own room. Yeah. No, no, no. He's in the bathroom. And he he's like, I'll bathroom. be out in a minute. Yeah, she knocks ah. on the door and then he's like, I'll be out in a minute. And he starts singing the song. Yes. They're both singing Meet Me in St. Louis, Louis. Also, on the note of the bathroom, 
there was a lot of like hullabaloo over washing your hair that I thought was very interesting. Yes, well, because the mother has like heated up water for them to wash their hair. It seems like you get to wash, which this makes sense. Seems this musical seems to be quite historically accurate to like in the whatever 1903, 1904 yes, period that, that, that takes place. It takes in. place. Uh, especially, I get. I assume it's historically accurate, or it's just making up some really specific <laughs> wacky stuff once we get to the fall stuff but i it seems like you get to wash your hair like once a week or once a month or something and so the mother has heated up the water for the girls to wash their hair or maybe it's just an, a hassle and every night there's water to, to wash your hair because they do seem no, to be like it, oh i'm not washing my hair it seemed like it was an occasion but or maybe, maybe it was just, just because of tonight well, well, but no one knows tonight is important yet. There's just, for some, it's just I coincidental. Think, I think maybe it's a weekly thing that they were just too excited about what's coming, that they were like, we just want to have dinner early. We don't care about washing our hair this week. Mm. But I must so, say... So, like, big deal. It, it indicates how important tonight is that they don't want to wash their hair, because who would turn down an opportunity to wash your hair? There you go. <laughs> I must say... For people who only wash their hair, we're assuming once a week, all of their hair looked very, like, shiny and beautiful, which may go to show, I personally believe, that you're not supposed to wash your hair that often. Well, I do think that you would... Okay, I don't know that much about historical... I know more than I probably d deserve to about historical, like, dress and, and hygiene to a certain extent, but I don't know enough about like the periods i think though edwardian hair care in part what and is this edwardian is edwardian era not early 1900s it's a little later it's a little earlier than that i think so yeah okay well in that period you know you would clean your hair with like powder you know like like dry shampoo isn't just a i mean the chemical formulations of it today are pretty modern but i think that you would like comb powdery things into your hair to keep it like looking healthy and correct or whatever so just i think that they wash and rinse it with soap and water every week yes or every that, day yeah that would be my guess but i don't know i do watch a woman on youtube who a big part of her identity is that she has very long hair um and she washes <laughs> it once a month and then maintains it wow other ways um throughout the, the rest of the month all right well, we've covered the washing of the hair, <laughs> um, which is honestly more exciting than the big thing that's happening that evening. Yeah. So the big thing that we keep alluding to is that some guy, Warren Sheffield. Sure. Yes, that um, seems correct. <laughs> he's in New York and he's going to call Rose, the oldest sister from... New York. He's going to yes, call long distance. Long distance. And everyone's like, why would he call long distance unless it's to propose? Yes. Also, I just want hopping back because we're moving way too slowly through the beginning. But when Judy Garland arrives, first of all, Judy Garland looks so... Sh I didn't realize she was so short. Or maybe she was just quite young and she got taller later on in her life. But she looked like a real child next to the women in a way that I don't really think about Judy Garland looking like a child in... I will also notice, because I believe that we've skipped a song go going to this dinner where they get the call, where sh Judy Garland sings The Boy Next Door. Yes, I liked that number. I did too. 
um, about, you guessed it, the boy next door who she's never met or spoken to. Oh, yes. And she comes, she comes home in a car full of people and then runs into the house and then meets with her sister. And then she and her sister go outside and they stand on the porch for like 30 seconds and they're like... Well, Rose comes in, the older sister comes in after Judy Garland's already inside and is like... Esther, he's outside, and then they go out. Oh, and okay, like, okay. Oh, it's a nice day. Yes, okay, they're like nice bye. weather we're having here. Very loudly, and they're I guess expecting him to shout from across the line lawn. Yes, it is, but he but doesn't. He doesn't. So then they go inside, and she sings a song, looking at him through the window. But there is a very long and awkward dance break in the middle of this number where she's just like kind of dancing around the (laughs) room and she's wearing like flat shoes so that might have also made her look shorter Mm. was her sister wearing heels the other women were perhaps wearing heels so okay mother and sister yes okay that explains maybe why she looked so small um anyway then they are all getting ready for this. Oh, they're telling they they have so Judy Garland cajoles the cook and maid, I guess just maid, but the maid also cooks into lying about having a family emergency that makes her need them to like she needs to go home because her sister's fighting with her husband, um, and so she they need to have dinner an hour early, and then the mom finds out that the true motivation for this is that there's this long distance call so then everyone in the family the the two little kids also find out everyone in the family is clued into the fact even lon jr the older brother yes right by the time we get to dinner everyone knows except for the father yes but then the dad comes home from when do we see the the child with the man in the in between the, ice the boy next door and the father coming home, I okay. think. So there's this kid, Tootie. I don't know why that's her name, but... <laughs> it's probably a nickname of some sort. But. She likes to ride with the Iceman and talk about all of her dolls and all of the diseases and how yeah, they're Yeah, she's like a morbid dying. kid. That's her whole thing. She gives funerals to all of her dolls. So now you know that about Tootie. Um, but the <laughs> father, that early. the father—that's the first time you home. see that child. Alonzo Smith comes home. He's a lawyer. He really hates. I didn't even realize he was a lawyer. Yeah, he was complaining about the case. Oh, I guess he does in the beginning. Yeah, he lost or something. And he's like, "I'm gonna take an hour-long bath," and everyone's like. No, you're not. We have dinner early because of the maid or whatever. And he's like, no, I am. How dare you say that I'm going to do anything else? I'm the man. So he does. So then they have to wait until he's ready. For some reason, he wants to spank Tootie. Oh, yes. That made me kind of sad. When no, he- that's a dinner. That's that's during. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay, so that you've skipped ahead a little bit. So he goes. To- <laughs> he he takes his bath and then they have dinner. What? But then he <laughs> just at the dinner. The reason he wants to spank Tootie is because he discovers that everyone they eat dinner really fast. No, he says that as he's sitting down for dinner, 
for some reason. She, like, left a doll on the stairs or Oh, something. you're right, you're and right. And he's like, Tootie, remind me to spank you, you, you after him. dinner. You hear him. It's sort of like a sound gag that I didn't get it for. I didn't understand what was happening, and then it kind of came together for me after, too late for it to hit. But, like, he, tr- you hear, like, the noise of him falling or something. And then he comes into the room, and he mentions the doll that he tripped on and says, Tootie, remind me to spank you later. And then Tootie tells Agnes, if I don't remember, remind me to remind him to spank me. Cute. That just made me like, oh, that's, that's just sad. <laughs> yes, this dad is like, oh, little sister, remember that you need to get hit by our dad later. This whole movie gives me real Mary Poppins vibes and that the dad is presented as just like over the top and just doesn't have time for his kids or their nonsense kind of at the beginning. His very and first scene is a so... big realization at the very end. Yes. We'll yeah. 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 So, so, yeah, they really try to rush through dinner, and he is not having it. They serve the ketchup soup, and he and gets then, one spoonful. And, and he's like, mm, this is delicious, and then she takes it away from him. Yeah, there was all this commotion about it being too sweet, too whatever. It comes. Then the phone call from New York comes in, and he just walks over and is like, I don't, I'm not expecting anyone from New York, and hangs up. And then Rose starts crying and they're like, you know, not every call is for you. Um, But then Ward Sheffield calls back, so it really wasn't a big deal. And he lets Rose answer. First, he gets a little worked up that everyone in the house knew what was happening. But then, and then you get, it's it's a kind of, it's a fun scene. I like the shot of her answering the phone and then you see the whole family in the background. And it's like the most underwhelming conversation. Yes, no proposal. No proposal. And they're just shouting. They can barely hear each other just saying like, hi, it's crazy that I can hear you all the way from New York. Yeah, they are overwhelmed by the long distance calling. Uh, But not so overwhelmed that they can, like, actually have a real conversation. Um, and that's all that we... That's... that's What was that guy's name? Warren Sheffield. Warren Sheffield. That's our introduction <laughs> to Warren Sheffield. He seems excited about the long-distance thing, and that's all we really learn about him. And then he sits down. Oh, and then Judy Garland says, like, a, there's kind of, like, awkward silence when she sits back down, but then Judy Garland is like, well, I bet no other girl in St. Louis can say that someone called them from New York just to ask about the weather or something. And everyone's mm. like, ah, ha, 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 yes, yes how amazing. Yes. We love this. A marriage proposal is still on the table someday. <laughs> then it seems the next song is Skip to My Lou. The That's next thing the that ha- one that they sing at the party. When yes, because dancing. the next thing that happens is that there's a transition that is just the image of a letter that was written to the boy next door, John Truitt. Yes. And it's, like, from, from Rose. Rose. Rose, I guess, is, like, about to finish her senior year of high school, but she also is hosting parties. And I guess when you're, I guess in 1903, when you're 17, it's time to start hosting your own parties. And the parents... Are, have nothing to do with this party. It's yeah. just the children are throwing a party to celebrate that the oldest brother is going away to Princeton. And they invite the boy next door, John Truitt, over, who I guess is also a high school-aged person, but the actor looks much older. I thought that John Truitt was... Well, he's definitely in high school because he plays all those sports. Yes, he's on every sports team. He plays basketball. And he says later on... That he doesn't need to go to college and yes, he'll just get yeah, a job yeah, yeah. right out of high school. So he's definitely yeah, he's in definitely high in high school. He just look. This is the moment where you realize he's in high school because he's like, "Wow, Princeton, that's so cool." When he's talking to Alonzo, um, I kind of figured that he was the same age as 
semester. I just didn't. He looked like when he's standing out on the lawn, too, it looks like he's a homeowner. Like, you never see his parents. <laughs> sure, he looks older, but also so does Rose. Yes, I wouldn't that think true. that she's in No, that's school. fair. So they play Skip they to My Loo and everyone song. sings and dances. It's one of those, like, parlor dances. Everyone knows it. Yeah. They like, fall on the floor corners. laughing at the end. There's a woman who plays the trumpet. And she kind of, like, keeps getting made fun of. Or yeah, everyone's Embarrassing very... things happen to her. Someone, like, took the trumpet right out of her mouth or something. <laughs> remember that specific beat but it does sound like it could have happened and they were like shut up (laughs) yeah there's kind of like talent show vibes to old-timey parties which i kind of like i I think i would like to go to an old-timey party then the next number is tootie comes down and is like i want to do a number so she and Esther, Judy Garland, do a little, like, dance, song and they dance. They do, a, like, a minstrelsy number. They do a cakewalk, <laughs> and the song is, like, very... Ugh. It's, yes. It was a very... It, the, yeah. the song and dance itself, I didn't love in any way, but I was like, man, I, I wish that people still just, like prepared little numbers to like perform and parties everyone just like sat up there and was like oh like let's see here you play the piano now my experience watching was that during the parlor dance number i was like this seems so i wish that still happened that it was just like there was fun little social dances Mm -hmm. and someone was playing the trumpet in your house and it was just normal uh but then and there were people lon jr was playing like some other string and yeah he had like a mandolin it was it 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 did just seem there is something very fun to me about back when you needed to create your own music if there was to be music at a party that i you know doesn't exist anymore it would just be obnoxious for someone to be like ah let's all dance to me playing the mandolin (laughs) (laughs) now it would just be someone like oh my god there's a piano here i know someone like you and everyone be like oh my god (laughs) shut up Anyway, well, and there's that sort of association too. So even if I, if I, for example, know far more songs than just someone like you, but I know that it has such an energy to it to be like, oh, let me play the piano at this party. But that used to be just like normal. That used to be like, wow, what you a needed, good party guest. You Thank had goodness. to learn yeah. how to play the piano just to like exist in society, <laughs> in that level, in of certain society. parts. Of, yeah, yeah. Anyway, I got two heavy blackface vibes from under the bamboo tree to be as enthralled by that as i was by the social dancing but i do agree with what you're saying about like there's just something nice when about... they like got behind the curtains and were preparing i was like why don't we do this anymore <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um but yeah that song was a little you know it's 1944 yeah. baby <laughs> And it's 1903. And it's 1903. It's, but it's 1944, time. so someone was like, this is a fine thing yes, to include. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Just a regular portrait of 1903 life. Nothing to see here. Um, what is saying goodnight? That's okay. So then the next thing that happens is that everyone leaves the party, and Judy Garland is like, before you leave, John Truett, the boy who I love, I have to turn off all the lights in my house. And, it's... and I'm scared of mice. Yeah. So. I would really like if you would accompany me. Which I was confused by because when John Truett sees the two children, like, peering peering over the banister when they get invited to join the party. Esther, 
there's some mice watching. <laughs> so we weren't sure if she was scared of actual mice being in the house in the dark or if she was scared of, like, children. I, obviously, she's not scared of, you know, she's just like, oh, like, I want to, I want you to stick around. And she's looking yes, for, like, a yes. fun excuse. But I wasn't sure if she was kind of gesturing to the fact that, like, my house is full of those two little mice. They could be anywhere. Or if he was, she was like, genuinely, we have infestation problems in my home. It's 1903. We don't yeah, have exterminators. I'm sure there were tons of mice in that house. <laughs> There's a mouse in every cabinet. Um, so he goes around the house with her and helps her turn off all the lights. And, and it's kind of awkward because he doesn't know how to turn off all the lights in the house. It's his first time there. But she has him do all of them. And she's just like, no, this one, it's like this. <laughs> um. And all the lights require, because it's 1903. And it's interesting to look at the sort of like practical effect. It's like electric lights, but they're supposed to be flames probably like so kerosene lamp no yeah they're like kerosene lamps in 1903 but in 1944 they're oh, electric yes. lights yeah, yeah. so there's so there there's some fun sort of flickering and smoking when the lights are going up but they're also clearly electric lights yeah um just sort of fun 19 you know classical hollywood production design <laughs> but she's they're like reaching up and you have to like turn a nozzle to turn off the kerosene to the light fixture um and they're going through the home and they get them all. And then she, he's like, well, looks like the house is pretty dark now. But first, before they get them all, she starts just like standing next to him and like humming. Humming, yes, yes. She hums which a little song. made me like feel secondhand embarrassment. But then Jackie told me that was just because I have too, too many insecurities. <laughs> <laughs> I thought it was like, it was just interesting that you were like embarrassed for her humming because it seemed like obviously they both were into each other and it was like, this is a musical. So I didn't think that like in the world of... It, when like, she started singing, I was like, this is hot. But when she was humming, I was like, well, this is a little creepy. <laughs> you know, she's forming the idea. She's warming up to the idea of singing a whole song. It's kind of, you know, it's vulnerable. Before you test the waters, you hum a few bars. You see if he's, like, responsive to being in a musical number with you. I understood where she was coming from. Sure. So anyway, they get all the lights off. She's like, let me get those last two lights. And he's like, well, shouldn't you leave them on? Because it's your parents have to come home. Which makes you wonder, where are they? Like, they're going to come home tonight? What's going on with your parents? Um, so she's like, I'll just dim them a little bit. So she goes up and dims them. And then, like, sings to him across the banister? Is that true? Yes. He says, because Rose says something about getting beauty sleep. Oh, yes. And then he's, like, says something about how she doesn't need any or something. I don't remember. Mm, but it, it, it was cute. It was yeah, much yeah. cuter than how I'm remembering it. <laughs> <laughs> it was Yeah, yeah. He was like, I reckon you don't need much of that or whatever. And she was like, aw. And then she sings a little verse yeah. at him um mm -hmm. does he he doesn't say anything back though right i don't think he sings once in the whole movie he's just like good night yeah and then she goes to bed and then we wake up oh and he's like you've got a real strong grip for a girl and then he leaves oh yes oh yes it gets awkward at the end They're actually i forgot that she goes down she shakes hands with him and you can tell he like wants to kiss her, but he's not sure. You know, because, it's 1903. Yeah, it's you're not supposed to kiss unless you're engaged. About, yeah. And so he awkwardly, you know, like he doesn't go too far. He's very respectful, but he's also awkward. And so he's like, 
you have a great grip. And then he just like runs away and she's like, huh. I love that boy. You know, like she doesn't seem like she, that doesn't seem to put her off in any way. She's just like, what a noble man. My grip is strong, but not too strong to keep you here and force you to kiss me when you don't want to. And now the next song is the trolley song. So we have to remember she invites him to go to the fairgrounds the next day with all her friends. Even though the fair is not happening, they just want to go to the fair. Yes, grounds. the fair is not for like six months. The the World's Fair is happening in St. Louis in a year, is what we learn at the beginning of this. <laughs> and it's just sort of a background point of conversation. So they wake up the next morning, and classic musical number. Clang, clang, clang goes the trolley. <laughs> ding, ding, ding goes the... But first, she gets on the trolley. Yeah, he's not there. She's yeah. really upset because... He just doesn't show up, and everyone's singing all excited about being on the trolley. But she's just walking around the trolley tr trying to find him. Yeah. But then she sees him run chasing the trolley. Running at the speed of, of the, the trolley. trolley. <laughs> Not getting on. He's like, he doesn't seem to be getting any closer to it, but he's, he's keeping pace with the be, trolley. Yeah. And she does not see him make contact with the trolley. She, she just, just sees him yeah. running and she's satisfied. Then she sees one glimpse of him and then <laughs> runs over to the other side of the trolley to sing her verse of the song yeah. that's all about how, she, and how she's excited yeah, that he's here that she's gonna fall in love on this trolley she's singing he with other guys he does make it onto the trolley somehow even though it doesn't slow down at <laughs> it all it seems to affect me speeding up <laughs> it's moving very fast this trolley is ripping down the streets of St. Louis but, I, yeah. and she's kind of like singing romantically to you know like there's a there's an earnest little guy who's listening and she's like taking his hat off and interacting with everyone there but everyone can tell like Everyone's she's not just happy yeah. for her everyone knows who she's Sean talking Truitt. about yeah and then he gets there and they're like oh what a cute little ending to this number and then do we even see them at the fairgrounds not for a second <laughs> i think after that do we skip to the fall we i don't remember anything else that happens I have no idea what You and I is. I don't remember this song. Who oh, it was dubbed for Leon Ames and Mary Astor. So it was the song that the mom and dad sang. So Oh, oh my gosh. So we're already there? There were no songs on Halloween. Okay, so we go to fall and there's this big, weird set piece. <laughs> the whole duration of the autumn section of this film was so bizarre <laughs> and so uh, okay so i learned later that this movie is based on we should have said this information at the beginning we're learning how to structure this podcast welcome to episode one <laughs> this, this film is based on a book by a woman named sally benson who wrote like she published eight short stories just like little vignettes and they were so successful that then she wrote four more and it was like one for every month of the year and they were published as a book and they had already the 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 eight were so successful, they were already adapting it into the film. She actually wrote a version of the screenplay and they were like, no, thank you. Not enough Halloween cake in this one, I guess. <laughs> so they, but, but she, but so that's oh, what... right. It was Halloween cake. So that song was on Halloween. Yeah, yeah. So... I forgot that they had so many desserts planned for Halloween. But so it's based on a series of vignettes. Like, it's not... And there is no narrative to the book that it's based on and you feel that very much it's just like a loose collection yes. of little 
episodes in their life. And then Autumn is the weirdest chapter to me because it starts out heavy like there's it's got nothing to do with anything it's completely detached from everything we've seen it's not even the characters we've really been spending time with it's all about it's the all little about kids Tootie. yeah and then it becomes extremely driven then it's like there's a big sort of plot movement stuff in the back half of autumn and all of autumn is one day it's just all halloween, halloween. It's a very weird, like the rest of them sort of are like a couple days, like, you know, there's a party or something. I guess this Halloween is a party too. It's just weird because it's the little kids. Yeah. I also just have to say while we're talking about how it's just vignettes that don't feel like one narrative, every season it seems like Esther and John Truitt like only interact that (laughs) one time for the whole season. Because we always pick up right where we left off with them. I just had to put that out there. Yeah, that is interesting. Well, they don't interact at all in the summer, right? Because the first time we see them together... Oh, no, no, no. Because the fall is Halloween. We skipped the spring. We did fall, Christmas, summer. We end at summer. Yes, we do. Okay, so they do... So we see her seeing him. I take back what I said. Spring just has two sort of disconnected chapters, and they're separated not by a title card changing the seasons, but by that weird letter. But spring comes in between winter and summer. Yes. We haven't gotten to spring yet. No. We never do spring? I think it's summer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It ends spring. winter summer i thought no i think it ends spring why would they do that why would i don't know i remember being confused okay it said summer at the end i guess i if you say it says summer i believe you but that does seem wrong i made that up anyway anyway it's halloween every season yeah yes they do and they have they have the one party in the in the spray in the summer <laughs> they have this weird interaction in the fall that we're about to talk about then they have the winter dance and then the, yes okay cool so halloween you can talk about this. 1903 <laughs> no no please it's impossible to really adequately describe what's happening in this they are dressed up it seems like there's no like picking a costume everyone just dresses up like disgusting <laughs> And that's, you're not supposed to, like, be anything. Or I guess they were ghosts. I think they're ghosts of, so I think you're supposed to be, like, a dead person. But, yeah, so Agnes and Tootie dress up, like. It was interesting to me to look at this because I feel like sometimes, you know, like, you experience, you know how trick-or-treating is just happening less or, you know, like, you know, they're, like, trunk-or-treating things. Like, you'll hear people be like, Mm -hmm. oh, Halloween used to be so, you know, like, you would go around the neighborhood, you would meet with your neighbors, now you go to, like, a parking lot, it's just so much more, you know, like, I think that people bemoan sort of the the loss of a sort of free childhood that you used to have when you would trick-or-treat door-to-door that's, there's increasingly less of in some communities, and watching this made me feel like 
you know, all traditions are much more temporary than we realize, you know, like how long, it's not like people have been trick-or-treating since time immemorial. And when trick-or-treat, when people first started going door to door for there candy. There were no treats, only tricks. <laughs> well, but also like, were there people who were like, Halloween, you used to all get together in your freaky garb and start a bonfire in the middle of town. All the kids in town just burning chairs together. And Probably now everyone's in small little groups adults. going door to door. I imagine that childless adults were like, please stop throwing flour in my face and saying you hate me. Just take candy, okay? <laughs> yeah, so to clarify, the Halloween ritual are, and everyone's on board with it. The parents are like, here's your you little bag fun. of flour. Yeah, go out into the bonfire. Don't get burned alive. <laughs> and so you go, all the kids in town, no adult supervision, have set up a big bonfire. And they also then are like dispatching people in little teams to go like spook the the members of town and when the kids are getting ready you hear them talking about this one old man who's the scariest with the mean dog and he's so he's the the worst man in town he's horrible uh and then you know tootie's too little she's like oh i want to do this i want to do this but the boy who's the captain he's dressed as a woman there's some gender bending to these costumes too you dress like a hideous person of the opposite gender (laughs) uh so he's like you're too young you can't come And not just everyone says that she's too yes. little. Including Agnes, Agnes, who brought yeah. her there. And then is she's immediately like, like... Tootie, you stay by the giant fire. <laughs> You're too little. <laughs> so Tootie signs up to go. She wants to prove herself. She's going to go to the meanest man's house. So there's this long sequence where she's like going up to the door. She looks in this extremely clear glass, like floor to ceiling window <laughs> where she sees him watching his i don't know do they have televisions no because it's 1903 i don't know what he's doing he's just like sitting in a chair yeah staring at the wall (laughs) yeah so then she knocks on the door he comes she steals herself she's all scared when she sees him and his big dog and And he's like well (laughs) and then she just throws flour in his face and says i hate you forever or something like that yeah and then and then runs away and the dog you know like isn't that scary it licks up the flower cute how funny Mm -hmm, but also why is any of this happening in this movie um so then she goes back and everyone's like tootie you're the bravest of them all you're so brave you went to the scary man and you survived and you threw flour in his face and said you hate him forever not only is she brave but like everyone else should be scared of her like she's a monster for doing it um so that inspires her to really wreak havoc apparently this we don't so we mean every excruciating detail of burning like setting up the bonfire going to the man's house and then we end yeah we just really cut to rose is with some other guy a colonel oh yeah she's like he drops i think the colonel is the ice delivery man really i thought that man was like old i think i i can't be 100 percent certain but i think that it was the man with the truck well spoiler alert nothing comes to that so <laughs> it doesn't matter <laughs> but then esther's like "Ooh, rose the colonel dropped you off and then they hear tootie like screaming well, also she's bringing ice cream in there's it's important to note that there's a lot of halloween desserts she because i think that's why it's the ice man is that she was getting ice cream he kept it cold in his ice uh, truck <laughs> okay. she brings in all this ice cream and then 
from across town. They hear Tootie screaming. But it was kind of confusing because they were like, wait, where's Tootie? And then they hear screaming from across town and they're all like, Tootie! Um, and then they're carrying her like she's fatally injured. Like, yeah, like, like she got hit by a car. Yeah. But she didn't. But she did like lose a tooth. And she needed to get stitches on her lip. Mm. And she says that John Truitt like beat her up and was trying to kill her and esther first is like i can't believe that he would do that to my sister and (laughs) then anyone and then she just like really believes it all of a sudden the doctor sort of corroborates it i think or that she had been you know the doctor oh there's hair in her hair in her hand yeah and that really seals it for <laughs> Esther. She runs She over. recognizes the hair of John Pruitt. She doesn't even see it, though, because she's <laughs> grasping onto it so tightly. <laughs> but she runs over. John Pruitt's just hanging out on the front porch. And she, like, bites him. <laughs> she and, like punching yeah. him. He's like, what? What's happening? <laughs> she's like, you're a bully. Pick on someone your own size or whatever. Just, like, really going at him. And then leaves. Yeah, she gets her bite in and then she runs off. Yeah. And she's like, she goes back to, up to her sisters and she's like, girls, you'll be so proud of me. I bit John Druid. <laughs> but then you find out that Tootie pretty yeah, much made Agnes that whole and Tootie thing up. reveal to Rose the truth, which is that I guess Tootie had tried to distract the trolley driver or something like she oh no they stuffed a, a an old dress so that it looked like a dead body and, and then they put threw it, on the, it tracks. on the tracks so that the trolley driver would have to like frantically stop the trolley to not hurt people and then john truitt saw them doing this and like like hid like grabbed tootie and was like Shh, like i don't want you to get in trouble yeah. And so it doesn't I don't know seem when like... she got in this kerfuffle and, like, <laughs> ripped someone's hair out and lost a tooth. I also didn't track the story well enough to understand if John Truitt saved the people on the trot. Like, did he also take the stuffed dress and abort this whole plan? I or think just... so. I just... Okay. Yeah. I think he saw them doing it and put an end to it all. As he should have, as yes. was right to do. Which... If Rose is sort of like, girls, that's horrible to do, but so, like, n- never do that again. But Esther is like, do you realize I just <laughs> beat up the boy that I'm in love with because I thought he beat you up? And then they all start laughing. They're like, ha ha ha, how funny. <laughs> you almost killed a trolley full of people and I almost <laughs> killed my boyfriend. <laughs> Then she goes back to apologize, but she doesn't. She doesn't apologize explicitly. Well, no, they never she, really clarify. No, she definitely she says apologizes. She's, sorry. she's like, I'm really sorry for that, but she does not explain. Yes. <laughs> she's not like, let me explain. Tootie told me you beat her up. She's just like, sorry for biting you. And he's totally cool. <laughs> and yeah, then- he's sort of like, he's like expect. It's like he knew this would all get straightened out and she would come back. He's still waiting expectantly on the porch. Like. She's going to come apologize any minute for being so weird. (laughs) 
And both of them are very, I don't know, maybe it's just because it's 1903, but like, she's not like, oh my god, he's dangerous. He, that's crazy that he beat up a child. Like, she's just like, don't you ever do that again. And then he also, when she like comes to his and is beating him up for seemingly no reason and biting like, him. Ow, hey! <laughs> but he really likes it, to be honest. <laughs> Anyway, then she's like, well, sorry, good night. And he's like, um, you know, maybe you should come and help me turn off all the lights in my house. And she's like, all the lights are off in your house. <laughs> and he's like, well, I could turn one on. She's like, don't do that. That would be a waste of time. And then he kisses her. Does he? Yeah. And I was really, like, they didn't make a big thing out of it. I was like, you better get engaged now. That's crazy. I didn't really, because I kissed her They then also the make a big deal of it once they, well, okay, that's, I just didn't, I really didn't absorb that that happened. Or maybe I just kind of forgot about the engagement detail. But, yeah. Then she I mean, she really in. did owe him a kiss after biting him. <laughs> <laughs> but then she's like, I gotta go, my Halloween ice cream is melting. So she goes <laughs> to get her Halloween ice cream. And there's also, and then the there's also the cake. maid serves the Halloween cake, <laughs> and everyone's having a great Halloween, you know, post bonfire dessert session. <laughs> when the like, and you kind of feel like, oh, this vignette is over, like it's this weird little story is concluded. But Dad comes back, and he has news that he thinks is very good, but it's received horribly. And he's like, I just got a big promotion, and we're moving to New York. And everyone's like, New York? That's horrible. Oh, modernism. No, I don't want to live in New York. It's We'll live in a tenement. It'll be horrible. And he's like, what do you like about St. Louis? And they're like, it's the center of the world. The World's Fair is going to be here. <laughs> We've been waiting all year for the fair. And we're going to leave before the fair? I'm about to be a senior in yeah, high school. Yeah, to be fair, they're also like... We have friends yes, here. I and kids, and we don't want to move. It is crazy also, that the dad is like halfway through this movie. It becomes really like St. Louis propaganda. Yeah, <laughs> it's like this city is about to blow up. We can't leave now. <laughs> this is the best city in America, and you're gonna take us to the dirty butthole of America, <laughs> New York City. Ugh. It's just like a very opposite energy from. <laughs> most like especially musicals it's just kind of a weird yeah and then they're like someone's like there are houses in new york when they say the thing about the tenements and they're like only for rich people i'm like you guys have like a maid and a really big house am i missing something they're not that's how rich you have to be to own a house it's in new york, york. yeah and it's either a st. house or a tenement st louis is the land of opportunity you could be someone who would live in a tenement in new york and you have a mansion to yourself in st louis the dad in his in the children's defense the dad is is really tone deaf on this like and then he gets really mad at them <laughs> yeah, for, for not, not being really happy and, and then, he's trying to, like, psych every... He's just not emotionally responsive or good about this at all. Like, everyone's sort of sad. And he's like, everyone, eat your Halloween cake. And they're like, we're not hungry for cake anymore, Dad. We're too sad. And he's and like... he's like, I hate you. <laughs> just eat your freaking cake and shut up. So everyone goes to bed. They, also, he kind of insults everyone. the grandpa. The grandpa... <laughs> he's like, oh, we'll straighten out the little stuff later. And the grandpa's like, I'm not a little... Like, I'm something to be straightened out later. Or they were talking about, like, the roosters and grandpa <laughs> in the same category. <laughs> 
which grandpa did not appreciate. And then he's like, grandpa, let's play bridge. And the grandpa's like, no, I don't want to. (laughs) Anyway, then his poor wife has to like comfort him, even though she also doesn't want to go to New York. And she starts playing a song on the piano and he sings and then everyone and he comes starts singing but it's too high for him time he starts singing the song it's not in his key and he's like cracking and squawking and she's like i'll put it in your key which is like an interesting thing to do in a, i don't know i just thought that was kind of fun yeah in a musical to have cute. some a song need to have the key changed <laughs> because it's 1903 they genuinely are creating their own mm-hmm. music so kind of a but anyway so yeah he starts singing the song and then she starts harmonizing everyone comes in and cuts themselves a slice of cake the grandpa starts setting up the bridge table and then they're all like we're sorry dad we'd love to go to new york which was it was really like i don't know this movie and mary poppins really did give me similar vibes too where it's like you know the burden of the it's overwhelming for the fathers to be who are out all day working to be surrounded by the sort of like whimsy and frivolity of childhood. You know, like they just can't mm-hmm. access that sort of imaginative joy. The the little adventures that their children are on that are the center of the story, they're like so disconnected from. But then they get this sort of like humanizing moment where it's like, oh, they would be if they could, you know, it's just a man's got to work. It's such a burden and old time in 1903 to be a man who has to provide for a family and to have that family just expect those provisions without sort of inviting you into the the whimsy that it allows them you do kind of feel for him a little bit but you're also like a little bit this guy's not but he's also just not a very good dad yeah (laughs) this guy just and he's not a good communicator he's just not he does not he has no ability to like read the tone of where other people are when he's when everyone clearly wants to have dinner early he just doesn't understand what they're talking yeah, about I feel when like everyone's we like we like st louis he's like shut up <laughs> that his first scene in the summer with the dinner he's like really totally unbearable yeah he's introduced to ho- like deliberately horrible mm-hmm. and then this scene when he's like saying you know like i think it is supposed to be like oh there's another dimension to this dad sometimes he sings little love songs with his wife, you know? Like, who would have guessed the guy from the first scene could sing little love songs with his wife? So this is, you know, the dad's character arc is now in motion. This is only the second time we've seen the dad also. Like, he's not a part... He mm-hmm. wasn't at the party. He's not a part of any of the Halloween fun. He's not on the trolley. So we end Halloween, the love song, and some Halloween cake. And title card, we transition into winter. And now it is time. For the, for the their, their, Christmas ball. Yes, the final Christmas ball while they're in St. Louis. They're packing up the house. Their paintings are off the walls. All their cheap, useless art that will not even buy them a tenement <laughs> in New York. Oh, right. That was another thing I pointed out. I was like, they've got all this, like, artwork. They are not poor. But anyway. So they're building snow people. And everyone... Very- complex snow people that don't look like they're made of snow clearly statues (laughs) clearly a prop designer has made these snow people and they're like rubbing them like oh here we go making snowmen (laughs) and they're like it's the maid and the siblings and they're like oh the ball tonight and rose is like no one has asked me to the ball so i can't go to the ball and there's so they're making first they make fun of lon jr Who's back from, from Princeton. Princeton. Yes. Because he likes this girl, Lucille. 
And she's going to the ball with Warren Sheffield. Right, yes, yes. So Rose is making fun of Lon for, like, I guess he asked Lucille after Warren. So she had to say no. And she's like, ha ha, like, Lucille didn't want to go to the dance with you. Meanwhile, the guy that she loves is going with Lucille. So it's kind of weird for her to be like, Teasing him. him. But then he turns it back on her. Yes. And then she's like, hey. (laughs) Anyway, they're both. But then the maid is like, well, just go to the dance with each other. And they're like, ew. And I'm like, yeah, honestly, I would not want to go with my brother. No, I think it would be fine. (laughs) I'm confused that they were like so... but, hard on the idea but also because you because you have important. your dance card you dance with other people like that's just to get in the door you can't even do all your dances with your brother you know especially because later someone else comes to the ball what makes even less <laughs> yes yes <laughs> yes so then esther is like why don't you want to go to the dance together like if i didn't have a date i would be thrilled to go with either one of you and they're like all right, let's go together. Well, no, she has to be like, if you don't go with each other, then I, I won't, won't go, go with John all. Truitt. Yeah, she's very, they're like, easy for you to say, because you're going with John Truitt. She's like, I won't go at all if you don't go with each other. <laughs> and she's like, oh, I'm so sad now that I'm not going to the dance with John Truitt. And the maid is like, oh, no, now I have to go comfort Esther because she's not going to go to the ball. And then they're like, fine, we'll go with each other. But then <laughs> John Truitt we didn't mention this before, but John Truitt plays football and basketball. He did mention he plays a lot of sports. Oh, yeah. right. <laughs> but, but anyway. It's an part of his character. He's constantly talking about it. <laughs> but anyway, he's playing basketball with his friends and is too late to pick up his tux and it closed. And he can't yeah, the find the tailor. He doesn't know where he lives. He, know, yeah. There's, he just doesn't have a tux, so he can't go. And then he's like... You must hate me. And she's like, I don't hate you. I just hate basketball. And I really liked that. (laughs) But then she's like crying. Yeah, she's like, I can't go to the ball now. And then Rose is like, well, why don't you just come with us? And she's like, I don't want to go with my stupid brother. She's like, well, you said that you would be happy to before. She was like, well, I was lying. I had John Truitt. I could say whatever I wanted. She also kind of makes a compelling point, though, which is that she's like, you know, it's one thing for, like, you to go with our brother and I go with a date. But if we all show up as, like, a family, like, that's so embarrassing (laughs) that he had to take both his sisters. That just has a different energy to it, which I was like, I do understand where you're coming from. But I still think think that would be better than what happened. (laughs) which is that then her grandfather is like oh i'm sorry well you know i have because then she's like i'm not going i'm not going with my sister and my brother so i'm not going but then her grandfather comes in and is like well i've got a tux that i've been like looking to whip out and then she's like, but you know, he's actually like, this tux has been getting moth, but you know, it's important for a tux to get, to get worn. worn. Yeah, the tux he needs does, to go he out. He doesn't say anything it's about how for he the wants tux. to wear it. Yeah. So Jackie and I both assumed that he was offering to lend it to John Truitt. But then 
so, someone comes in and she's like His, no, the I mom am. comes in the mom comes in like what she's is this like, i hear about you not going to the dance, dance. She's like i am going to the dance with the most handsome gentleman of all talking about her grandfather <laughs> so then rose and lon jr go together and esther takes her freaking grandfather <laughs> to this dance as all teenagers and is just like perfectly fine about it then she's dancing with other teenage boys at the dance that she doesn't like. And well, she's because happy so this is... to be whisked away by her grandfather. <laughs> the, the, what's happening there? We hear Esther, and so part of the reason that Rose, when Esther's like, "Oh, I can't go to the dance anymore," she's like, "No, no, no! It's so important that you be there. We need to manage all these men because they're planning to like dance. They they have this scheme that I didn't really understand is what they were planning at the time, but it seems like they're planning to undermine the girl who. It didn't go with Alonzo. Yeah. yeah, with Luce, to undermine Lucille by making her dance card for her, and it'll be all the least desirable men in town. You know, like just the the worst dancers, the biggest losers at school. And so they're, you know, like when Esther isn't going to go to the ball, she's abandoning Rose in this plot. And so when we get to the dance, we see Grandpa in the corner talking with the other teenage boys, just like a normal occurrence. And then we see the girls. And they're so happy because Esther's like, oh, I filled it out, you know, and she's reading the names on the card and she's like, oh, these are the biggest losers of them all. I can't believe you pulled this off. This is going to be so great, Esther. And so then they go over to greet Lucille and Warner Winchester, Warren Warren. Warren Sheffield, (laughs) Warren Sheffield. And they're like, oh, so nice to meet you, Lucille. We did you the pleasure of filling out your dance card. But before it can go any further, Lucille and Lucille is a very grown up. She's like. Why don't I just address the elephant in the room? Warren wanted to go to this dance with Rose, and I wanted to go with Lon. Why don't we just switch partners? And then they're like, yeah, great. (laughs) So then the grandpa makes Esther feel bad about giving her the bad dance card after she was just so nice to both of her siblings. So she takes it from herself. Yeah, so Esther's like, oh, I'm sorry, somehow your name got put on my dance card. Here, this one's yours. And she gives her her nice dance card and she takes the dance card with all the the schmucks in town. All those jabronis. And they all are pretty handsome, just horrible, horrible dancers. dancers. They have truly the, like, bounciest, and, like, most intense and dance also, energy. And also, like, you know, everyone does these, like, prepared social dances that have, like, a flow in the room and her partners are always just <laughs> taking her, like, wherever they want. Zigzagging across the screen. <laughs> they do a very good job of communicating to you in, like, 20 seconds that every man she dances she's having a miserable <laughs> so her grandpa cuts in and she's like oh thank god and and they're doing a little dance to old lang syne and he's like come we're dancing in weird circles out of the flow of the group and they go behind a tree and then there's a pause and you're like oh my god they're never gonna come he died behind the tree but then she comes out from behind the tree no explanation as to how this happened but what a wonderful surprise yes my guess is that the grandfather quickly took off the whole tux <laughs> and was standing <laughs> naked behind the tree, just his underwear, waiting for the dance to end. And John Truitt comes out dancing with Esther in a tux. I think he actually says he was able to get his tux. Oh, well, that's nice. Yes. <laughs> Which means also then that he coordinated this little thing with the grandpa instead of just he personally relieving her from the terrible dancers which is maybe nice to the grandpa let him have a nice little moment sure no one has been so pleased to dance with that grandpa since 
in his whole life. So they dance the night away. They're walking around at, outside afterwards. And John Truitt proposes marriage. And she's like, yeah, of course. And he's like, and you know, even if you move to New York, whatever, we can like make no. Or he's like, don't move to New York. He's like, I'm proposing so that you don't, don't have to go move to New York. York and, and then she says like, in St. Louis. Yeah. And she says, like, well, even if I had to move to New York, you know, like, it, we could make it work, right? And he's and, like, I don't think so. <laughs> <laughs> so. So then she's feeling kind of torn, even though she never wanted to go to New York in the first place. She, but she doesn't want to leave her whole family. Her family. Yeah, yeah, family. exactly. She's still in high school. She's not ready to Yeah, she's, she her leaves her boy. romantic proposal. She goes into her littlest sister's bedrooms and just looks at their little sleeping faces. But Tootie is still awake and is... I don't know. What is she like playing with a toy she's or something? Like doing a oh, she's waiting music for Santa. Box. Oh right, yeah. That's her. Yeah, she's maybe occupying herself with something. But her thing is, she's like, he's got to come soon, right? And she's like, what do you mean, Santa? And they talk a little bit about that, and then she sings "Have Yourself a Merry Little Christmas," the original version of the song, which is sadder than the Frank Sinatra version. Um, and it's you know a lovely performance, and and Tootie starts crying in the middle of it, and you're like, oh my gosh, and then Tootie runs out of the house past the dad the dad just got home for some reason a dad comes in middle of the night regularly no one asks any questions about this the dad works the craziest hours for a lawyer he comes in and he's like where's she going she grabs some weapon and starts like attacking the snowmen they built really highlighting the fact that they're not made of snow because they are being they are falling apart in a very unsnow like way and you can see, like, gaping holes in the middle <laughs> as these hollow statues crumble. And I don't know. She's screaming something about how she doesn't want yeah, to go to like, New York. She's like, I don't want to go to New York. I want to be in St. Louis. <laughs> New York sucks. I don't want to live in a tenement. I want all my stuff. She's really talking about her. She is talking yeah, about her she, stuff. She doesn't want to leave her stuff. Yeah. She doesn't want to have to dig up all the dolls. She's buried in the yard, but she doesn't want to leave any of the dolls behind. And then Esther's like, no, it's going to be great in New York. And um, the father is watching this from the room that they were just singing Have Yourself a Very Little Christmas in for some reason. It's the bedroom, the child. He saw Tootie running and was like, what? And then he saw Esther running after Tootie and he was like, well, probably she's got that. I'll just check on the other one. <laughs> and he does. And she's she's dead asleep. But then Yeah, she and wakes. then as he's like silently walking out of the room, Agnes wakes up and is like, what's happening? And he's like, nothing. Go back to bed. I'm like, so... Him just, like, walking in and out of the room woke you up, but, like, the whole conversation and song, nothing. She was out. But... So dad goes downstairs after telling that girl to go to bed. He goes downstairs, you know, he looks around, he turns on some lights, and then he's like, everybody... Everyone, wake up! But he's not even that loud, and he's in the... He's downstairs. He's kind of far from the living room, but everyone hears. He just kind of, like, at a normal volume is like, oh, what's the mom's name? Anna. He's like, Anna, <laughs> Rose, Esther, everyone, come down. And they do. <laughs> and they're like, what's happening? What's what's this big disaster? Why is the energy so high in this room? And you're like, is it even that high? <laughs> but- and he's like, trying to make it seem like they all want to go to New York and he doesn't want to or something. Yeah, yeah. He's like... 
yelling at them about how they just can't do it. He does. He won't allow it, and that they have to stay here. I don't remember what he says. But he, it's you know, he's it's like nice. Though. Yeah, yeah. He does. He's not doing it. It's it nice, doesn't feel tone deaf. It feels like way. yeah. It's him in his way. You know, pretending that he can't read the, as he as someone who often can't read the room, he's kind of making fun of himself and pretending he can't yes. read the room and changing the plan. Um, and everyone appreciates and they're like, "Oh, Father, thank you!" and they hug him. And then, I think that's the end of the winter, right? Oh no, 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 no! Because then Warren Sheffield. Oh <laughs> yeah! Oh my God! The, that the was third funny. time we see this man bursts he, into the home, like while the. Alonzo was like giving this whole speech. Oh, they start opening presents too. Oh yeah, because Tootie was like, "Well, since we're all up, does everyone want to see what they got?" And they're like, "Just open your presents, Tootie." <laughs> <laughs> and then Warren Sheffield bursts into the house, and he's like, "Rose, I won't have it any longer. You will marry me." And she's like, "Okay." And, and then, then he, then leaves. he leaves, and Alonzo was like. Who was that? <laughs> he's like, I would like to meet that man. And he says it in a sort of signature tone. It's very funny. It's a good scene. It, yeah, yeah, yeah. It was very. Nice. I like winter. winter. I mean, I don't like. I like the. I like the end of best. winter. I like the endings of all of the seasons. It seems. Yeah, I even like the trolley sure. song as the end to, the summer. I liked the banister song maybe more than the trolley. More than song. the trolley song. That's fair. Final season, perhaps There's summer 2.0. Summer. I think it was spring. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone's wearing frilly white dresses, and it's finally time we're going to the state fair or the world's fair. I mean, okay, um, it is the spring, that's when the world's fair happens. <laughs> <laughs> okay, great. <laughs> I didn't really doubt it, but I'm glad to know. There is no more music, also. It ends with Have Yourself a Merry Little Christmas, and then you get the, this weird little spring, which is just, like, everyone outside in these beautiful white dresses loading into their little carriages to go to the, you know, it's, like, John Truitt and uh, Esther Everyone's and... Everyone's in couples. Yeah, and, well, and Rose and Warren go in one, and then the parents and the remaining children. Oh, wait, is Alonso Alon- Alon with the... Uh, and... Lucille are there together too. In the so it's six and then four. I don't know or five, because Grandpa and I the don't know. and then <laughs> Trudy gets up and she's riding shotgun with the Ice Man who's yes. also pulling their carriage. Do we know that it was actually the Ice Man or just Trudy likes to sit? In the I think it was the same the man. All I think it was that man. I think it was the same man in the ice truck and on the date and in that one. But maybe I, I was just. Maybe he just had a mustache. It was three different mustachios, <laughs> gentlemen. But anyway, I think it was the same guy. They go to the World's Fair, and we end... Like, oh my god! I can't believe we get to live here in St. Louis. And it's not even... It's, it's also and it's like... Right, this is the most spectacular thing I've ever seen. And it's right here in our backyard. Yeah, in our home. Can you believe it? In St. Louis, where we live, thank God. <laughs> that's the end. That is the, yeah, that's the final scene is just them admiring the fair. There's two stoic nuns standing on a little <laughs> overlook, and John Druid and Esther are talking next to them. And then the whole family's like, come, come, we have to stand on this parapet instead. And they all stand on a different little group, and they look out. They're turning on the lights. <laughs> 
and they have an absolute blast at the World's Fair. It was well worth the full year wait <laughs> that they, they anticipated at the beginning. And boy, oh boy, did it pay off. I'm so glad that we met them in St. Louis. The title is an invitation to come to the World's Fair in St. Louis in 1904. <laughs> and that's the end. And that's it's pretty, I mean, it's kind of an anticlimactic end to this podcast, but watching the but movie, you're the like, the movie is weird. pretty anticlimactic yeah. ending. Very climactic music, but they're just saying, like, here <laughs> in St. Louis, Missouri. <laughs> and then Ira's out. Um, and that's, and yeah, that's Mimi in St. Louis. M- Mimi in St. Louis. Louis. How should we end it? <laughs> <laughs> Episode one, this is clearly a work in progress. Um, I don't know. Do we have a little sign off? You know, subscribe to us on Anchor. <laughs> or no, on Anchor is the distributor. We, subscribe to us on your site. Wherever you get your podcasts. Yes, that's true. Follow us on Spotify. Spotify. That's where I listen to podcasts. Or Apple Podcasts, which is where I listen to podcasts. Or Stitcher. You know? Actually, I don't know. Will we be there? Where does it get distributed? (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, I'm Jackie. My co-host is Nicola. Learn more about distribution. (laughs) This has been Sister Act. Listen to us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Breaker, CastBox, Google Podcasts, Overcast, Pocket Casts, or Radio Public. (laughs) All thrilling options. I mean, you have to be on one of them right now to be listening to this. So stay where you are. Uh, And thanks for your attention. And we'll let you know when our Patreon is Meet me in St. Louis, Louis, meet me at the fair. Don't tell me the lights are shining any place but there. We will dance the hoochie-coochie, I will be your tootsie-woopsie if you will meet me in St. Louis.